Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone out there, you can find us on social media, on Instagram, at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Also, if you want have questions or you want to be on the podcast, you can DM us through Instagram, again, at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or there's a cell phone on there. You can use WhatsApp or um, text message, and you can text message that phone number, and we can get you on to a podcast. Jerry is back from Bandwagon Sandwich Company from Arvada, Colorado. And I'm just going to jump right into it because interestingly, most of the questions that I've gotten recently from like family members and friends have been around the first episode we did. And, Mm. and of course, because I think there's such a transitional point that we sort of skated over that we're almost going to call this episode, the DeLorean episode or back to the future, because we're going to go back and relive part of episode one, but like we're viewing back on it, like we're Marty sure. McFly looking at himself in the future and back again. So what what I want to talk about is as an entrepreneur, we have these moments, I think that stack up. And for the entrepreneurs that have a longer journey, which tends to be more in food, like more of us have a longer journey, more of us don't make it, but I end up still being in food. And by what, what I mean, don't make it is it's not like glamorous and we don't have Scrooge McDuck. Like it takes a lot to build a company and stay involved, but you've stacked certain things along your life. You've had these major transitions. We talked about, like, I, I think we called, uh, I named it hot dogging a second chance. Yeah. And so, like, how do we, how do you get to this? Like, talk to me about that period of time, because I think in a way of addressing it, like, why the transition, why the decision to not stay in music and not stay with what you were doing? And actually, and I get, we talked about jail and we've talked about the consequences, but I think let's revisit it and talk about it again, that particular transition and transition into food and slow sure. it down a little bit to to know because you were in the hot dog stand for many many years so there was a lot of probably growth in stages along that point so let's slow it down for that definitely part. absolutely and you know the other big factor to that was uh becoming a dad that kind of all happened at the same time for me uh and it was you know for me, it was like, right when I turned 30, it was, you know, you always tell yourself when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, well, I'll, you know, kind of party in my twenties and, and figure myself out in my thirties. And it was like, you know, uh, two months after my 30th birthday, it was like, Oh, I'm going to be a dad. Okay. Like, here we go. You know? Uh, so that I had the same thing. My third, it was like, I was 30 and eight months old. Like I remember exactly. And all of a sudden my life just pivoted so hard, so hard. But anyway, go ahead. Um, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and part of that also is kind of that stigma of, you know, in your twenties, if you're, partying your ass off and, and, uh, um, in and out of jobs and, and, uh, you know, spending all your money at the bar, it's like kind of accepted or expected for somebody in their twenties. But as soon as, you know, as soon as I hit 30, it was kind of like, Oh shit, I need to kind of get my shit together. And then, uh, 
that kind of all happened at the same time, you know, but I had been, I I'd say for the first, like maybe three years of running the hot dog stand, it was not, it was a job, you know what I mean? And I liked it and I fit in well. And I, um, three years is I, a long time though, right? Like three years is a long time. Well, although yeah. the four years, the recent four years of my life just flew by and I can't believe it, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And it, so it's, you know, it was just a job though. And it never, it took a long time before it, I looked at it like a career, like, and part of that, like part of what kept me there so long was every year I made more money than the last, but I never got a raise. I was putting, you know, I was figuring out how to do the job better. And the more I put into it, the more I got out of it. And that was totally gratifying, you know? Uh, and that was all with tips, you know, it was so much of my, uh, income was tips. Um, but then it also created this thing in me where, okay, I think I figured out that 68% of my revenue one year was tips. And so I'm like, I'm making more from the customer than I am from the business I'm working for. And that's most cases in the food service business, I would say. Sure. Right? And um, I'm going to pause you for a second, Jerry, because yeah. I want to anchor something, okay? It's a weird coincidence. I think it men really go through this, but maybe women also. I can't say for sure. But, like, Jesus was 30 years old, okay? He was 33 years old, supposedly. That's the way we recount it. But it's weird to me how like that 30-year-old transition is a weird point in life. It, maybe it wasn't always that way in the world, but for me it definitely was where all of a sudden like like life, like I have to really think about this. And I was already really intent as an entrepreneur, but it really made me focus and re-put things into perspective. And the transition yeah. and the journey that I've been on since then particularly when I hit 33, because you talked about three years in the hot dogs that would make you 33 years old. Yeah. And 33 has always weirdly been a lucky number to me ever since I watched the movie Rad at like six years old, but we can talk about that movie another time. <laughs> Anyone who's out yeah, there, you should watch it. Movie. You should watch it. It teaches w winning. Trophies are important when they're won. It teaches right. actually entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial ingenuity will solve any problem. And it actually shows like how like romance and building a relationship, like I didn't catch this until like a year ago where I'm like, oh, there is this weird thing where weirdly in it, they're building a friendship first before they build a romance and they focus on, oh, we should be friends. And I'm like, oh God, like duh, dude. And, um, but it's a great movie. So my point is this, um, is that at 33 years old, there's a transition. I almost feel like there's three years in there where you really grow because you, if the human really focuses on that they need to make a transition or life gives them the door to walk through and they walk through it, there's so much transition there and who they're supposed to be. It's almost like the old person, like a new person is born, but the old person isn't dead yet. And that's the, and that, I don't know how to describe it yet, but by the time I got to 33, yeah. it was like the old person was gone and the person that started at 30 took over. And that doesn't mean I don't have core values and I didn't become the same person and I didn't have good education. It's just weird how a moral and ethical and core value 
um, transition happen around that time and the volume of it inside of me changed. Sure. Absolutely. And so go on. So the, I didn't Yeah, no. And, and actually on your point there, I wanted to mention too, that, you know, like, uh, music was so important to me then. And I mean, it still is now, but it, it was, um, more of a dream. Like, like I might be able to make music for the rest of my life. So, so, you know, that always came first and came over work, until I'm now providing for a child. And then it's like, okay, cool. Like I love playing music and I loved going on tour, but the one thing it never did was put money on, you know, put money in my pocket because it just, especially now, you know, uh, with, with uh, Spotify and, and everything being the way it is, like there really is no record industry Um, so, you know, from a business standpoint, the older I got, the, the, you know, I still love making music and I still love, uh, being involved in music, but it, it became more of a hobby to me. It became more of like, well, cool. I can do this, but it's not going to be money. It's not going to be where I'm going to, you know, make my money from. So all of that kind of at the same time, just kind of led me down that direction, you know? And then there was also a a big transitional period where I was running the hot dog cart, but, you know, I had taken over so many aspects of the company that it was, it was, almost the same responsibilities as running my own company. And then, you know, a lot of the same setbacks. Um, but I was making really, really good money doing it. So it was like, it just kept me coming back and kept me, um, working towards it, you know? And I also kind of realized that it was like, you know, uh, there were so many things that I learned from being a touring musician that made me, uh, better at running a hot dog cart because it was, you know, it's a lot of those, that same, uh, if you, if you don't have it in the van, you don't have it anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you're, you're, you're on the road. And so if, if you can't find it, you forgot it. Yes. And And that would happen all the time. No, you know, cause the hot dog cart, you, you can't, there isn't enough storage on it to keep all of the things you need for a day, you know? So, so, and that would be so frustrating to be like, get out to an event and be like, Oh my God, I didn't bring a pan or I didn't bring tongs or I didn't bring, uh, uh, water or whatever it was, you know, but, um, that really taught me how to deal with those situations. And like, you know, it was, there were so many that it was like, okay, well, I don't have what I need. How can I how can I make the best of this? What, what can I do with what I have? I know. And this skill is really important. Uh, Again, Jerry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it is so important. If, 
I never get stuck and it is absolutely amazing to me how many people get stuck on things for days days yeah and like how much more I can get done in a day merely because I don't get stuck on something that's where I don't it's not that I better manage my time like it's just that my time like uh, and, and I mean this, I mean, I schedule my time the same way as everyone else, right? I have certain things. I just don't get caught up in those things. Like I solve my problem. Like I don't wait yeah. for someone to solve it for me. That's the right. thing. And I don't wait for someone to solve it for my businesses. I don't wait someone to give me a compliment or a attaboy type thing. Yeah. Like it's never happened to me. And usually when someone does give it to me, they want something from me. So like right. 10% of the time it's for like they really believe in it. 90% of the time it's because they're trying to manipulate me and they think I'm like everyone else and you give me a compliment I'm going to fold over and I'm like yeah no you criticism me first and then I'll believe you and um yeah you know yeah or give me a, a criticize me and um but I just one of the things that you also said um that caught my attention is the not being prepared in the situation and the chaos like and so yeah like there's a composure that you're talking about where and did you always have it or is it something that grew in you in the music business because we talked about how it came to be but I don't think we talked about whether or not it's always like did you always feel calm amongst the storm no I mean um and a big music taught me so much of that like just performing live um because I feel like everybody has a certain degree of stage fright and um, you know, on, on top of that, you know, uh, every band I've been involved in has been like over the top partying bands. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the, it's not like you're like getting up there, (laughs) pouring your heart out, Yeah, you know, but you're also, you're, you have to have balls to do that, to like some of the things that I've said in the microphones to a crowd of a thousand people, I would never say now to my kids, you know what I mean? But it's, you do it with confidence and the second you lose confidence, you, you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? Uh, and, and so like, uh, my drummer taught me something really good, really early on in taking a compliment. So, uh, we would play a show and oh, fuck, I was out of tune for that whole song or fucking, you know, uh, the fucking snare chain ripped and it fucking sounded all weird or whatever. And we, as a band, don't think we sounded good, right? But we're in fucking Seattle, and these people have never heard us before, and most of them are drunk, and nobody gives a shit that the snare chain didn't sound right. You know what I mean? But when people come up to you afterwards and be like, dude, good set, if you're like, ah, no, it really wasn't. Like, this went wrong, and this went wrong, and I wish... You know, everything would have been so much better. This sucks. And my drummer would be like, no. He's like, every show you played was the best show you've ever played. As far as, 
you know, the way you talk to the fans, the way you <laughs> yeah, talk to the other bands. Absolutely. He's like, absolutely. and especially when somebody's saying you did good, don't ever correct somebody and say, no, I didn't. Like I, I sucked up there. That was a failure. I could do better than that because they don't know that you could do better than that. And they don't know that you have done better than that. And they have no frame of reference, you know? So like things like that come up all the time now. And like, you know, uh, we had a situation like that. Um, and I told that story to my wife and she's like, Oh my God, that's so smart to, to think about that. Cause we had that come up, you know, we're at a food truck and people are like, Oh, Hey, your food was really good. And it was like, yeah, they didn't have the bread we usually use. And, uh, you know, we're understaffed and, and if it's like, but these people don't give a fuck, just take the compliment. And every, you know, like we talked about with Showtime, every performance is the best performance of your life. It's, this was the place to be, you were here or you fucking missed it. You know what I mean? And so I totally, totally take that to heart with everything I do now. Um, and, and it's and it's I wanna... made it like so much more, so much easier for me to to bury Absolutely. that loss and be like, oh, I really fucked that up. Well, and it's I'm so, and I associate it so much it this easier. You can lie to yourself, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I do it in a different way, and I like this. Um, what I do is I celebrate it, like weirdly. I'm like, I fucking kicked ass, even though I know stuff went wrong. And I yeah. know the very next day that I'm probably going to listen back to it or think about it and be overly critical of myself. That's just part of growth. And that's like, I've right. got to engulf that. Like that's part of being an entrepreneur. I've got to get comfortable in that situation where I am asking myself questions and critical of myself, but I don't need to take that inward voice and point it outward. And yes. so that inward voice the outward voice that I say is the one that gives me affirmations, you know? So it's like, okay, when someone says I did well, I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking my biggest cheerleader. Also, I kicked ass. Like no yeah. one can do what I do. I'm the only one. But then when I get in my more solitude environment, I'm able to like uh, reflect and it's, I don't know why, but I've always just been able to do this. And it's, it's don't get too caught up in the moment because the times that I have, it'll ruin a day. It'll ruin a game. It'll ruin an event. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so I'm able to detach very quickly as is the word you used also, which is quickly important. I'm not attaching myself to the outcome in the immediate situation. I'm attaching myself to the outcome that I know tomorrow or I'll reflect on it and grow from it. You know, maybe yes. even tonight if I can't sleep because I fucked yes. up so bad. But usually I don't know I fucked up too so bad until I really thought about it. So I try to purposely live in the victory that I completed something that not many people can do what I'm doing. Even the podcast included, just to your point, like I go back and I listen to some and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I said that my kids are going to hear this forever if I have kids. Yes. Oh, or my yeah. stepkids might hear this. And I'm like... You know, I'm like, oh, bizarro, what? Like, even at 30-some years old and 40-some years old, I'm like, like, I just talk because that's what I do, and I'm very comfortable and vulnerable and authentic, but sometimes that confidence comes out and you reflect on, and you're like, I can do a better job, you know? And even yeah. some of the podcasts, even just a month ago, I'm like, I should not have said that. I can't go back and <laughs> fix it. 
but right. I need to do a better job, right? I need to be right. a more mature human. I need to 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 just be more emotionally intelligent and all those right. things. But if I but, but for a lot of people, they look back at that and they go, "Oh my god, that's so embarrassing. I shouldn't be making podcasts." or I shouldn't be making music, or I shouldn't be making food, you know? I should give up and go back to what's safe. Uh, and that's where, that's like the big line where you have to, it's kind of like, you know, trying to quit smoking or quit drinking. And like, if you're trying to quit smoking and you get drunk and you smoke a cigarette and you wake up the next day, you go, Oh fuck, I fucked up. Like I had such a good streak. Now it's over. Oh, well, I guess I'm a smoker, you know, but like to not look at that as a loss and be like, okay, I fucked up. I can learn from it. Maybe I shouldn't drink for a couple of weeks until I get this smoking thing down and then, you know, revisit that, you know, or whatever it is. But, uh, I feel like it's the same thing with, business and it's so scary and it's so easy to be embarrassed to be like you know and especially the first time like you know this was not my first business uh but everybody's first business it's like you know people are going to tell you you're going to fail right off the bat and some of that a lot of that is jealousy and a lot of that is people that are afraid to do something of their own, they're going to tell you you're going to fail. And a lot of people take that to heart and they go, fuck, you're right. You know? Uh, so I feel like whatever your definition of failure and success is, has to kind of skew in order to move forward in business. You know, like if you're, if you look at every setback as a loss, then like every business is a failure. You well, know what I mean? Of course. Like in how many failures have you had before your success? This is where I'm always like, I guarantee you someone's going to knock me down nine times out of 10, the first nine. But the problem yeah. is, is where I'm different than everyone else is I will stand back up and knock you down that 10th time. And it's like weirdly that if I consistently stand up and I'm literally just making distance on myself and then someone comes in and is usually like trying to knock me down. And if I yeah. finally figure out how to like put an end to it by the 10th time where it's like a TKO, because that's what I'm doing by constantly going and facing it. I know I'm not winning probably in the short run, but I know that there's a TKO around the corner somewhere. Right. And um, But that's the thing. It's consistent. It's the growth from it. And it's knowing that I'm not going to give up. So here's the other thing. If I just looked at the percentages and I was a math person on paper because I'm not looking at the, may not be looking at the chronological order, it may look like, God, Justin only had a 10% success rate. He only knocked him out the 10th time. But what right. you're not seeing is that in chronological order, no, it was TKO. After the 10th time, there was no more. So it didn't matter the nine other times. Yeah. And so that's yeah. the thing about business that you're talking about is we we look at success and failure and of course a person, you know, I if I were a betting man, I bet you were going to fail 100% of the time. Of course, my odds are always for me. The thing about betting and the thing about entrepreneurs is weirdly, the more we get good at learning from our failures, the bigger we start to bet 
and we start to risk because we we start knowing that we've learned and the likelihood of failing again in those areas becomes less and less and therefore we bet bigger and bigger and we have bigger success i mean jerry has a solar powered trailer like are you kidding me that it's open air like there isn't more that that's these are the things i'm talking about and so anyway go on jerry i just i just think it's important to anchor those points absolutely no and you're you're exactly right and uh you know like i was saying it's very easy to get (laughs) embarrassed you know oh i'm starting this new company this is what i'm doing and people are well Right, you're gonna you're gonna do that, and aren't aren't there 1,500 food trucks in Denver already? And and are you sure you're that good of a cook? Like, you know, and some people are saying this to your face. Some people are saying this behind your back. Some people are saying this shit online. But like, <laughs> yep, it's it crazy. Happens. Yep, a hundred percent. And it is really really easy and your mind is telling you back out you know it's like it's like a failed talent show and and you just want to get off the fucking stage you know but the more you can say something with um confidence whether it's true or not if you can make it true to you like yes i'm starting this company and we're going to be the biggest food truck in town like Oh, goddamn right. Bandwagon sandwich. You haven't heard of us? Shit. Like we're all over the place, you know, like, and I learned to, to kind of put forward that, um, that attitude and that image a long time ago and, and many failed projects ago, but, but all of those failures were learning experiences, you know, like everything I've done and, and failed at, I either learned that I'm not good at that in general or that I took the wrong approach or that I didn't really want to do it. You know, it's, it's, there's so many things in life that you, you know, like being a kid and and you take karate and you try to learn the saxophone and, and you try to do all these things. And it's like, you know, you're not going to be the best at all of those things. You're not, you know, and some of those things you're not going to be able to do at all. And, you know, you, you have to kind of give up on some things and you have to push through some things. And it's really hard to decide what to stick with and what to keep doing. But I feel like it, the world kind of puts everything out there. If you know what I mean, like you, when something is supposed to work out or is worth fighting for, it makes itself pretty apparent, you know? And I feel like there are a lot of, um, you know, dreams that people gave up on that could have been something. But if, if, if somebody's heart isn't in it and it isn't what they want, then it's never going to succeed, you know? Well, and it doesn't matter. Like you live in like, you know, I've lived in a 5,800 square foot house. I've lived in a 800 foot apartment, square foot apartment. Right. Like at the end of the day, none of those things really matter if you're not 
like the weirdest part is there has to be joy in the growth of the of the human and if you don't have that in your environment it doesn't matter what money you're surrounded by or what material things and we chase this because in a world a majority of the world that's so impoverished there's so much glory and does money remove stress yes that's not my point my point is this my point is is that if you're not building the proper character to go along with the money it's never going to mean anything and right. so this these are the things and these lessons are necessary like i can't be, i wouldn't be who i am i wouldn't be where i am if i didn't learn the lessons and the next part of it is if you're an entrepreneur your biggest asset to you is is growing humans but your second biggest asset is mining opportunities and what i mean by mining right. is actually you are so in tune with the energy in the world that the opportunities come to you by law of attraction and positivity and the positive pollination you're doing in the world. And that's hard for individuals to understand because it's so hokey pokey, but it is the truth. We attract people by based on our energy, whether we're good, whether we're up, whether we're down. And we just talked about it with the drummer. The audience doesn't care whether we played well. They're attracted because we're doing something that they couldn't do, which is being a band and playing music on the stage. And we kick ass every time because guess what? They can't do that. And right. that's yeah. why. And that's where we lose part of the showtime. We don't understand the gifts that we're given and how we need to display it in the world because the world through standardized testing is standardizing us. And so, oh, absolutely. So that's where we need to be these individuals. We need to discover what makes us unique, and it is showtime. I'm not saying turn up the volume so bad you fall off the face of the earth or you're so extreme that no one can figure out what you're doing. You've got to still make sure you're turning up the volume in a way that's still a way that you can communicate and impact and influence people positively. So I just want to emphasize yes. that as well. But absolutely. Anyway, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, no, that's uh, that pretty much wrapped up my point. Um, did you want me to um, kind of go back? Uh, you were talking about doing some of the uh, revisiting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see where I left off here. I'm looking at my notes. Let's look at um, let's look at the um, around. You know, as you're getting in, you have a family, you have a kid. Um, you're right. starting to like figure out like I have the hot dog stand it's about three years in before you figure out that the you make more tips by building the relationships with people. Yes. Yeah. And so let's continue from there a little bit because sure. your journey has a lot of pivoting until you get to, um, you know, bandwagon sandwich company. Yes, definitely. And, you know, um, at, at that point in my life, the, the hot dog business was safe for sure. And that was like, you know, my, it was like an easy, um, an easy thing for me to keep doing. And I felt like this was also the first time that I had worked for a successful business, uh, that I was completely unsupervised. I was completely left to my own devices. So, you know, there was not, you know, there were repercussions if I fucked something up, but there was nobody holding my hand and there was nobody watching me, you know? Uh, and so then it became, I felt at that point, like I was running my own business. Like, um, you know, the reviews, if, if I got a bad review, that was, 
like getting a write-up at work for people. You know, it, it was, there, there wasn't going to be anybody like telling my boss, Oh, Jerry forgot this or Jerry didn't do this. It was like, just get out there, keep the customer happy, keep the health department happy and the checks don't bounce. So it was like, you know, it became oddly simple to me to, to do that. And so that kind of really laid the tracks for me to own my own business, you know, because I, I was all of the things I was scared of about starting a business because, you know, I had at that point, um, I had started a business and failed with the Oriental theater. I had, um, I had helped a friend with a new business and he failed and couldn't pay anybody, you know? So it was like, there's so many reasons to say, just go back to work. Just take the easy money, even though you're not doing what you want to do necessarily, even though you're living somebody else's dream. So easy. It's the, the, the money's there the you know and and at that point i'm also kind of getting my shit together and this was you know um we bought our first house which was huge to me because you know my wife and i when we found out we were pregnant we were pretty casually dating at the time and so it was like you know, I lived in a band house. She lived in a house with a bunch of friends, party house. You know what I mean? So it was like, well, this living situation isn't going to work. So we had to get an apartment together, but I was a convicted felon. So that, you know, that also kind of put me in this weird position. Whereas like, you know, my money's no good to rent but I could go buy a house and they don't give a fuck that I'm a felon. That's not going to impact my credit or anything. Like why that all of a sudden I'm like, why am I renting? Why, why have I been doing this all my life? You know? And then it's when you buy a house, it's, that's like another step toward being your own boss because you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not paying any different than I was in rent or a mortgage but there is the hope that in 30 years I pay this mortgage off and this is my house. I can leave this house to the kids or whatever, you know? So all of those things kind of just started nudging me toward starting my own business again. Uh, but I didn't for, you know, I started thinking about it three years into the hot dog business. Like, dude, I should be doing this for myself. For the next seven years, I still didn't do it, you know, because it was, again, that company had been so good to me and had, you know, uh, put food on the table, had uh, helped me to get my shit together, to rebuild my credit, to buy a house. So I felt like, you know, sort of indebted to that company in a way, but also you know, there's only so long that I could keep doing that without breaking away and doing my own thing, you know? And that's, it took, like I said, it's, it took seven years from the first point. I was like, dude, I should do this for myself 
to the point where I left and did it for myself, you know? Well, and I was in my own family business and like my own members and loyal to my own business. And I went through something similar like that. I was, you know, weirdly around 33, like 34 years old. It was like, I should do this myself. I can do this. Like, what am I going to do? And I just waited so long until everything fell apart. And even though I knew it might fall apart anyway, based on the way things were going, but like, it's like life needed to push me in that way. But it was also like, it's a weird thing that happens because you it you need to believe in yourself first and then there needs to be the support for the belief in yourself, which you do by showing up, which you do by staying consistent, which you do by being determined, which you do by having discipline. But yeah. the other part is like you start to believe in yourself. That's the most important part. Like there's an affirmation there. And then the world around you, if you really believe in and you're really working towards it, it'll start to confirm, give you the confirmation for that affirmation. If that right. makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, it is one of those things where you do kind of have to put feelers out there and really think things through. Is this, you know, is this going to be right for you? Is this, you know, wor- uh, worth doing? Um, and then I think, you know, another big part of that is that a lot of people will kind of dip their toe in the water. They're like, well, I'll start my own business. I'm going to keep my job. But then on the weekends, I'll go do this. And then, you know, hopefully that will will take over and become my source of employment, you know? And that was, I went through a phase of that thinking that that was going to be the case too, you know? Um, and then the company I was working for um, during the pandemic uh, was bought by a corporation. And they were like a huge corporation, um, but they started doing what, corporations do you know what the kind of you know you and i talked about it off air a little bit but paying four people yeah half as much to do what one person could do you Full know things with like benefits, that and, yeah and a little over time. and just tightening the screws and you know they didn't do anything that every other corporation doesn't do you know i don't want to make it seem like it was like a uh greedy corporate takeover but it was also that for me that was like the last straw toward doing what i was doing you know i at the time i had already um started an llc uh and i was getting paid um instead of getting a w2 i was getting a uh what is it an i9 Uh, but I was basically an independent contractor. That's how I was getting paid. And so I was doing my own taxes. I screwed that up a handful of times, figured out how to do that. Right. You know, so now I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, the, the good versus the bad of starting a company. I'm like, all of the things I'm afraid of, I've already gone through. I've already started and failed a company. I've already been upside down in taxes. I'm already a convicted felon. I, you know, like literally what do I have to lose? And then, so then the company being sold just really pushed that into high gear. It was like, okay, I need to do this. I need to 
you know, start thinking about what I want, you know, for the previous seven years, I had been talking shit like, well, if this was my company, I would do this and this and this and this and this and this would be different. Well, no, I got it's your this, turn. Like, yeah. put your money where your mouth is. Fucking yeah. everybody turn your cards and let's see what we got. You know, yeah, no, life will do that to you. Yes. But also, you know, it's like, um, I, my boss, when I was just doing the hot dog cart and it was a small business was like, we had never had a meeting. We had never, um, had any sort of like, you know, we would have like a company Christmas party, but that was about it. There was no like that, that whole, um, it's not a company, it's a family type thing. It, it just wasn't there because it was such a small company and we didn't have to, there was no need for a meeting, you know? Um, but then all of a sudden I had bosses and had meetings and they wanted to talk about how they could get numbers up and how they could get food costs down and all these things that are, you know, legitimate problems for a company. But now I felt like I was being asked to answer those questions and I'm a hot dog guy, you know? And I'm like really a, a, a small piece of the puzzle. So it's like, you know, again, to, to what I was saying, everything that I was afraid of had already been pushed out of the way. And I'm like, you know, I'm already, I'm already paying my own taxes. I'm already basically running my own company. Why am I not running my own company? You know? And so, so what uh, did you, what was the exact, I mean, did you form an LLC? I mean, what was the first step to really make you feel like you were running your own company? Yeah, I, uh, um, well, so the other thing was I planned on, you know, uh, sticking with it and, and pushing everything back and waiting until I had the money and, and saving up and, you know, um, but then I know myself and I'm very, uh, obsessive, whether it's good or bad. I, have a hard time letting something go once it's in my head, once that idea is in my head. And, and that was the idea. Like I should be doing this for myself. I can do this way. better. I can't get the once idea it's in, my in head. there. I can't fucking sleep at night. I you know, know like I, it's, know. I am obsessed with that. And so then I also know myself and I have lost jobs in the past from getting to that point where I'm passionate, um, I'm opinionated, I know what I think, and I also know that in, at some point in time, I'm going to say what I think. And I'm probably not going to be nice about it, and I'm probably not going to be quiet about it, and I'm probably not going to be employed afterwards. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I... I Believe me, I know what you mean. Yes. So even so, when even when someone's handed me their contract and they want me to work for them and it means money, there are points and times where I'm like, I can't keep my mouth shut anymore. I don't care. I will not let yes. you treat me or my employees this way or the right. I call them team members. But same difference. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, well, not really. Again, but, it, it wasn't like 
it, the shit really never hit the fan. It was just, I know myself and I saw the trend going that way. And then I also pictured myself getting fired from that company and having no income and having no way to, um, you know, to refinance my house, to start this company. I, I couldn't do it if I got fired, nothing could, you know? So once we got our refinance through, I just said, fuck it and quit my job. I put in my two week notice on my birthday and filed the LLC that day. I did. Um, I created the logo. Oh, excuse me. I created my first logo that day. Um, I did like a big post on uh, Instagram, just kind of announcing that I was going to start this thing and that, you know, that uh, the people who come to see me at the hot dog cart all the time that I wouldn't be there and, and all of that. Uh, and I just, just fucking just punted basically, you know, it's like, it's like, there's no point in trying to push it too far. When I know myself, I know that I'm not going to be quiet about this. I know I'm not going to, um, shut up about it. So it's like, I'm the missing link. I, I just got to go, you know? So then I'm in a weird situation in that point because my wife is booking for this hot dog business. Um, you know, and one of my best friends is running another cart for this hot dog business. And like, I am, I can't just like light the match and, and walk away. I'm still in involved in this company, you know? And so now I was in a weird situation. You know, my wife is still there. Um, I'm doing my own thing. But now I have, I'm making no money. Like we just had, we refinanced the house. We cashed out $70,000. We had that in the bank, but I was not making money at all. And, um, that was yeah, I know kind exactly of, kind of scary talking. and kind yeah. of stupid to, yeah. to quit a job before you, you have another job. But I also knew that I was never going to have another job in my life, you yeah. know? And it's kind of that same feeling. You're never going to rent another house in your life. Your rental history goes out the fucking window. It doesn't matter, you know? So it was like, like I just full on took the plunge and it was like, you know, my boss at the hot dog business was like, dude, like, are you sure you don't want to stay around? Cause I quit in October. So like if I had a working food truck that was licensed and had gone through everything, I still wasn't going to make money for six months, you know, but I also knew that I wanted to build my own food truck. And so I was like, I'm just going to do this full time. I'm not going to work at all. I'm going to build this food truck and we're going to figure it out, you know? Um, and then my buddy Casey, who's very, very much like me in those regards. He's like, yes, let's just do it. Let's just build it. And he also had, he's a commercial kitchen installer. So he was like, well, come down to my shop. Cause I got a bunch of stuff you could probably use on your food truck. And it was all stuff he had taken out of old jobs, but you know, more than half of what I would have bought 
I got for free from him and he was happy to just get it out of his garage, you know? So I have all of my countertops are out of Adams County jail. My, I have a three day sink from, um, CU Boulder. I have, uh, my hand washing station was from, uh, St. Anthony's hospital. You know what I mean? And it's like, then it became like, once I connected with him and, and really started going that direction, it just fast forwarded, you know, because he was involved and he was passionate about it and he had all the know-how that I didn't have, but he didn't have the time and I had quit my job. I had nothing but time. So that was, you know, how we got to the point of like, why not learn how to weld? Why not learn how to do, you know, car wiring why not do all of this stuff because it's you know i have the opportunity and i knew i was never gonna have that opportunity again i mean so it's like i mean does the does the jerry like have you do you think back on yourself that you were the 10 years ago when you first started in the hot dog car when you first found out you were going to be a father do you look back on that and look at what you're doing at this point like you're building a food trailer and you weren't even in food 10 years ago and and where you've come like i mean like like how much you grew with intent i mean there's a lot of intent along the way like you've had to intentionally change directions and so yes yes you know and all also um right before i started the company i quit drinking which was huge that like put everything it, it helped me figure out what I wanted and what I didn't want because it took away a lot of the, uh, I don't know. It changed. uh, I had a buddy once say it changed my why's like, why am I doing this? Why, why do I do anything? Why do I do this for work? Why do I do this when I get home? Like it just made me kind of rethink everything. And I had this, need for a clean start, you know, to just kind of break off and be like, um, just like you were saying, like a new me. And, and then, you know, and now I'll go to a party or I'll go to a barbecue and people are like, Whoa, you're this whole different person. Like you don't drink anymore. You started a business. Like what happened? And I'm like, well, it didn't, it, there wasn't like a moment. It's, it's part of growing up and it's part of like, just kind of looking at the cards you're dealt. Like what, fuck what I don't have. What do I have? You know? And, and what does that, what does that turn into? How do I turn that into, you know, never having a boss again? How do I turn that into, um, being able to uh, have a family business to leave to my kids or whatever, you know, it's, it's. And one of the things that you just talked about is the why. And I think it's the entrepreneurial pivot. Like once we have, once family, once life, like we start to realize that we, we, we can make money. Okay. Doing, we need to go pursue what we want to do. So we're willing to take the risk, but we realize our most valuable thing is our time and how we spend it. So, Like, at least for me, it's about four years ago that for alcohol as well, I haven't had any. But most of my 30s, I did. I have not drank alcohol just because 
I'll describe it this way. I felt it unplugged from my from the energy in the world. Like all of a sudden I was disconnected from the yeah. beautiful energy and, and from the people around me. It would weirdly disconnect me for a period like afterwards. Like during, I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. But afterwards it would be like I almost disconnect from the world and I would lose time, you know, and there'd be a lot of time lost. And I actually find that if I, to your point, like I go, I still go, I probably go out more now than I did then, but I, but I make, I build relationships everywhere I go. Like my purpose and my intent and my goal and my rewards different than most people's that do consume alcohol in that way. And I'm saying good or bad or indifference up to you. But for me, it was an unplugging thing. And that doesn't mean I'm like a straight edge person. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that for me, the clouded mindedness, the the ability to think clearly just changed at that point, which is interesting because everyone would think based on what I'm choosing now, it's different, but it's, you know, I have a different perspective. And my perspective is I don't need to be depressed all day. I actually need to be more open-minded and I need to be able to organize my thoughts better and I need to be able to expand my mindset. And so I think that that's what you're talking about for you as well. And it's definitely been that way for me. And it's interesting because it's like I don't think I'll ever even look at it the same way ever again. Like it's not something that's important to me or even that comes onto my radar or my focus. It's just like it's not going to get me to where I'm going four years later and I don't even think about it. It's not like I even need someone to tell me not to do it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're good here, self-checked, like we're good. And um, right. yeah. But it's mainly because the entrepreneurial journey is like I don't want to waste time with that. I don't want to lose time with my family and I don't want to take away – from my business because of other people. And I watched individuals that work for me or other entrepreneurs like do the party thing after every business or do the happy hours and that's good to bond people, but that constant alcohol consumption is not good for your business. And I watched the thing happen, it happens in food all the time. So it's just like this weird thing like, patterns happen and like you're in the food business and and like what is it that you're trying to represent and alcohol is part sales are part of food it's just when you're in the food business alcohol becomes more part of the lifestyle than just going out to have a drink like the people that come to the bars or come to here in nashville the honky talk no person goes out partying four nights a week like they do when they're in nashville you know it's just not real so like for me it, it i really realized that it was like like I'm a lot of fun when I'm drunk, but I am not, I have no um, intention of bettering my life in any way or, or do making any good decision. You know, it's, uh, uh, and, and you look back and you go, okay, well, would I have done this and this and this without alcohol or whatever? And like, of course, I, I don't think I would have, been a cocaine dealer if I never drank, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I would have ever encountered cocaine at all. Like that's never a sober man's decision. Nobody's like two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Like, you know what we should do is get an eight ball. It's like, you know, hammer drunk, can't see what you're doing. Want to keep drinking, but you're going to pass out at the bar. Yeah. That's, that's the person that makes that decision, you know? Yeah. So, and, and I, I'm jealous of people that can um, moderate with alcohol and and make it not fuck their life up, but I'm not one of those people. I'm 
I'm too, uh, again, with the obsessive thing, like I do something. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 100%. And uh, I could never separate that with alcohol. I could never be like, oh, I'm going to go bust my ass at work all day and then drink one beer with the fellas and go home. Like it was all or nothing, you know? Yeah, it was, it's, it became a, it was a guilt thing for me, honestly. Like I felt so guilty about wasting the time and it was unproductive to your point. It just was such unproductive time. And, um, and now, even though I'm in the same environments, the way I'm productive is different because I, I'm not doing that or it's not my focus. Weirdly, I, like I go into a bar, which is there for alcohol, but my focus is not actually the alcohol. And so that being said, my focus is always growing as a human and advancement and building yeah. relationships. So it's weird how we think alcohol builds relationship, but it off, often gets us into problems because it leads to false emotions and stuff. And that's where yes. the other thing is, is I'm not saying it shouldn't be part of it or you can't relax through it. And I'm not telling people not to drink. I'm just saying you have to be aware that a majority of your time, if you really care about someone is spent not drinking. So then you go on a date, you guys have a glass of wine to relax and you're producing something that's not there on a constant basis. Like it just, yeah. the mathematical equation doesn't work. And right. so, and, and that's and why bar relationships go down the tubes most of the time. Well, there are relationships that are formed with alcohol that you don't realize the relationship goes away when you stop drinking. Like there are so many of my friends that are still going to those same bars and hanging out and doing their thing. And there's nothing wrong with that, but they're not going to come hang out with me you know, on my time and there, and I'm not going to go waste my time sitting at the end of the bar. So it's like our relationship was completely based on alcohol. Oh my gosh. I, it's crazy. And how many relationships I had from college that like they're these best friends and all that, that once like, Oh, well I started at 30 really, like literally really just not. And I guess I actually started at 18. I've always not just because of the nature of being an entrepreneur, I haven't been able to live that lifestyle, and there's always been guilt there. But right. but really, when I made the conscious decision, you're 100% right. It was like all of a sudden, it was a ghost town around me. And I'm like, yeah. wait a second. Like, because, like, you just... Now you won't even invite me to places because it's not like we can just sit and hang out. If I'm not drinking, it means we're not going to have fun. So I'm like, okay. Like, I'm... And my perspective changed a lot. And then I realized how much distance I started making on my friend group. Like, it was crazy. And sorry, friend group, if you're listening in, but there's about two of you left that have been able to keep up. (laughs) And so it's... um. And great, you know, I get success and family and all that, but I'm talking about like life in general and I'm talking about making impact and I'm talking about not whittling away into nothingness and whatever, you know, on a golf course, wasting your life away. I'm talking about growing other humans and making real impact and going on starting businesses like that have legacy that not just your own families, but freaking lots of families and your supply chain and all that. And so that's, that's what I'm talking about. And I don't know, like, here's the other thing. This is where I talk about, like, finding the light is often light in the darkness. I Maybe you and I talked about this the last podcast, but the other part is it's like death by a thousand. It feels like you're dying constantly because you're constantly having pain by chasing light, but you're growing constantly. 
and right. like you're becoming this bright person. And even though it feels like you're getting cut all the time, it's because you're growing and you're just encountering new obstacles. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and the, the older I get, the less I enjoy or even trust something when it comes to me easily. Some, some yeah. things just, just fall into your lap and yeah. that's cool. But like, the the real things in life you have to work really hard for and yeah. that's you know that's another thing that you know you get that kind of clarity and you start to realize you know other people will try to rationalize their drinking around your not drinking you know what i mean like people yeah. will be like oh my god you don't drink why did you oh my god did you you know did your fiance die in a drunk driving crash or did you find Jesus or yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like people ha- act like there has to be a reason to not drink. I mean, you know, and I, and the one, I will say this, it was a weird thing that always echoed in my head. I just didn't hear it. And it was always something that I knew that I would weirdly like have my personal setbacks around. Like I would just have setbacks and it's not like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like this mental slowdown and pause. And while everyone else goes through it, it's just not my thing, you know? And, and it's right. like, if anyone works in a corporate environment the day after the Super Bowl, when everyone's at least had at least one drink, it's not because everyone's so slow to come in. It's because we literally hit the like, the like, we hit pause and then we're like pushing the fast forward button at like point two, you know, versus hitting play fast forward because literally that's what's happening. And so it's just, it just takes time to recover. It takes time to get it out of your body. It takes time to do whatever. And that's, and I'm not for everyone, but for the entrepreneur, we just don't have that time to give and we can't be unproductive because we have too many people relying on us. Absolutely. Humans, animals, Okay, not only people, but humans, animals, it doesn't matter, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, weirdly, and it's a lot to burden, but I don't know, like, I feel like it's our responsibility as humans, and it did open up my why. Also, it's like, oh my gosh, like, like if I'm doing that, I'm not doing what I should be doing, which is taking care of people, growing relationships, like, worrying about regenerating our planet, worrying about regenerating the relationships, like, okay, like maybe like moving on with my life and not having my family patterns compound into another generation. Like there's all those things we should be doing and uh, we just don't do so. Right. And, and, you know, I had, it was a little more spelled out for my situation because, you know, I had played in all these bands and I had written all these songs about things that were important to me at the times almost exclusively drugs and alcohol and sex. You know what I mean? And so, you know, like one of the bands, uh, we still play like maybe once a year. And it is fucking crazy to me. Cause it's like, Oh cool. Let's play that song. And I will look at the lyrics of this song and be like, Holy shit. That was what I was thinking at that point in my life. Like it's, crazy how much that has changed and how much you know my focus has changed but really am i a different person no i'm i'm the same person i'm just in a different scenario i'm just in a different with a a different set of circumstances you know and you know you and i had talked about like 
if you could go back and, and tell your 21 year old self, all these things, there's no fucking way that 21 year old list 21 year old me would listen to four year old me. It's just, it would not happen. And that's not the person I was then. No, I would punch 21 year old me in the face right now. I would go back and I'd be like, <laughs> yes. Dude, fuck you punching you in the face, asshole. But right. Yeah. But you know, uh, to that credit, if I didn't, if I started this business at 21, if I were just given the money and given the food truck and given all these places to go to, I would have tanked this company and spent all the money on drugs and had nothing to show for it. And then, you know, when I see people from my past, they'd be like, oh, well, what's going on with that? And I would have to be like, yeah, I don't do that anymore because I fucked it up, you know? So it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I agree with you. And that's why I don't want to lose momentum. And that's the ultimate thing I think is that I don't want to lose my momentum. And I realize that like there are no rest days in life. Life just maybe we think there are, but there just aren't like not being an entrepreneur, not being a parent. Like you don't get days off. Why do we think we have days off? Why do we think there's retirement in life? Whether, whether you're uh, taking it out or not. Right. Yeah. And, you know, this is the funny thing is I'm going to tell everyone this. Retirement is a word used in the modern day world by corporations to to get you out of your business so they can bring in new people that have brighter ideas and more work and, and more momentum. So if you don't want to be put out to pasture and you don't want to retire, you have to keep growing and you have to be a value as a human. And for that, yeah. for me, it's like you have to be constantly be working all the time until the day that you die in some capacity some capacity oh my god yes absolutely and so go ahead jerry and it it sucks it kind of sucks that that i get told all the time especially by my wife and kids like why can't you just relax like why can't you just chill and i'm like i have no fucking chill i am because as soon as i start to chill (laughs) it's all over the the house of cards is coming down (laughs) you know yeah and uh i get a lot of that from my mom she was, uh, my mom was like raised on a farm and she became a nun and then, uh, doubted her faith, met my dad, obviously no longer a nun, but, uh, she, uh, would always, always think like that and always work like that. And always everything, everything was toward a goal and always going that direction. You know what I mean? And it, I got, I got a ton of that from her, but it's funny. Cause now, you know, I've got incredibly old parents. My dad was 57 when I was born. Um, he's been dead for years, but my mom is now, let's see, she would be 77, I think. Um, and she just will not quit. She's been retired for 15 years and she voluntarily, uh, babysits her neighbor's kids because she wants to be needed. She wants to be useful. You know what I mean? And I know that, that I will never, I can retire on paper, but I'll never quit working until my legs are broken and, and I'm, you know, on my deathbed. I'll always be working toward something. And, you know, you and I talked for a moment about, um, 
how do you find employees? How do you find people that are as committed as you are? And I feel like the big problem with that is like, you know, the hot dog part found a gem when they found me, but only for so long. Like if you, I'm, if you can find the kind of person that thinks like you do, eventually they're going to do what you're doing, you know? So it is, it is kind of like, uh, I don't know. It goes full circle. It's, it's really hard to, uh, to find the right person, um, that's, that's going to be you without replacing you. Right. Yeah, I'm going to give everyone a hack on this note, actually, Jerry, because you teed me up perfectly, and I haven't figured out how I brought this into the podcast yet, and it's totally yeah. something I literally ran de- wrote down yesterday, like, how do I integrate this in? If you're a company that's known to excel people into the world, you'll be a revolving door, yes, but um, I think you have to accept then and embrace that your employment structure is a revolving door in today's modern world, and I think that's hard. I think Chick-fil-A right. does a generally a good job at looking at a revolving door in and out burger. Um, and this is, is another one where they're gaining really high quality kids. They're putting through college. They're training them. But they know that only about 2% stay. But of that 2%, they're the most loyal, dedicated in and out burger employees ever. But they're also right. spinning employees out into the rest of the world. And I, one of the things I, I like generally about in and out burgers, I think they realize that it's about putting and building a food service industry and food service employees and putting out educated people into the world. At least that's my belief from what I understand about the entrepreneurs yeah, that started it. Right. And so that's like, I agree with you. The problem is, is you're creating people that will eventually leave you. And I even accidentally create people that I think I'm building, but they become dependent on something other than what I'm trying to. And then I get in that weird situation. Like I often find people like monetary reward and if you give too much too fast it becomes an expectation for example oh absolutely so it's like you're finding balance there and that's also part of like weirdly not being a gaining loyalty and stuff and also growing a human means you can't give them too much at first and not for a lifetime believe me because that's detrimental also and then you take away the person's confidence but you need there needs to be a little bit of gaining and understanding the way the structure works so they can do the same thing because if everyone all of a sudden gets huge jumps and bumps in pay you're not in business anymore you know but it is okay to set an example by oh no I have a supervisor they quit and I have a really good person trying to be a supervisor it's okay to promote them into the position and pay them more money because they've been promoted and you should do that you know and as much as people talk shit about uh, tipping culture you know kind of what we touched on earlier is like okay if if it really works out well because it weeds out the people who don't want to do it or the people who aren't putting their heart and soul into it. Right. Because anybody can make a hot dog, but if I can make somebody's day in the 30 seconds it takes to make a hot dog, then they're going to tip me. And if I'm at the same place every day and those people know that I'm always going to have a smile on my face, I'm always going to, have a professional attitude. I'm never going to not be there, you know, like then people feel the need to tip me more. Right. But I'm being rewarded without the company paying another dollar. And that's, what's great about tipping culture is like, it does 
you know, it's instant gratification for doing a good job. Well, like and you, you, you get the ass you, tonight, and you got two hundred and fifty bucks in tips. Yeah, you, know, like, you reap your own reward. And I mean, the right. bands do it here in Broadway, and like it took me a while to understand what's really going on. But they they get their base pay or where they get their whatever guaranteed gig. But the reality is, is then once they're there, then that's when the hustle starts. It's not even just getting on there. They've got to get that bucket, and they've or or pale or coconut, however they hustle. But they've got to get people to start getting them to do song requests and and it's the same thing here it's like you want to build relationships people but you've got to hustle you've got to serve better product you've got to listen to their feedback you've got to keep doing what we're talking about basically and that is right tipping culture trains you to hone in on what it is and most of the time we think at first everyone's like trying to con people out of money i think that that everyone goes through this weird thing like there's some trick but then the reality is the more vulnerable and authentic and true you are and connect with people then the reality is is people just like you tend to give you more you know yeah um over the long run like i can extrapolate like a hundred bucks out of a drunk person tonight but can i build a relationship where they're going to give me a hundred bucks for the next four nights Right. You know, right. or they exactly. come back like time and time again or recommend me as a musician to their friends who come to Nashville sure. as an example because I don't know what exactly. how else to draw a parallel. But right. You know, I I did a uh um I was a light duty mechanic in another life. And it's it turns out that that was not the job for me, but it's set up very similar. I worked for a dealership, right? And so Let's say you get um, somebody comes in for a break job. A break job will pay for 45 minutes, right? So I made, you know, I think at the time I made like fucking $10 an hour, right? So if a job pays for an hour and it takes me two hours to do it, it doesn't matter. It pays what it pays for an hour, whether it takes you half an hour or eight hours, right? And so that is that industry's version of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're going to pay you this, and we don't give a fuck how long it takes because if it takes you eight hours to do a break job, you're not going to be able to pay your bills at the end of the week. You know what I mean? And so it's very similar. It's like it weeds out the weak and it weeds out the people that don't want to be there that are just doing it for a job, you know? Absolutely. And and I really respected that of that industry, even though I, it weeded me out, you know, (laughs) I, I learned my lesson from it and it was like, you know, if it took me two hours to do a break job and the guy next to me did five in two hours, I'm like, that's the guy that should be doing breaks. Yeah. That's the guy that wants to be here. That's the guy that's taking it serious, brought his own fucking tools, woke up early. You know, that dude is, is in love with cars. I was not, I was doing it because I wanted a job. You know, I had a friend that worked there yeah, and that absolutely. was, that was a lot of jobs, but I was lucky enough to go through that whole, um, I relate it to like sleeping around with industries. Like, you know, I was able to go try to be a plumber and try to be an electrician and try to be a mechanic and do all these things and find out that it wasn't for me. Um, 
you know, and luckily the economy was such when I was young that I could do that. And, you know, I could quit a job and get another job on the way home. But I always looked at it as a job, as a paycheck. As soon as I clock out, I don't give a fuck if the place burns to the ground. You know, I did my job and I'm moving on. <laughs> so, you know, and I it's agree. really, and that is as far as most people make it in life. You know what I mean? I agree like, with you 100%. Most people, and you get, like, there's this whole culture of, like, oh, I hate Mondays. It's like, why? Why the fuck do you hate Mondays? Like, why do you hate going to work? Why are you doing what you hate? Why are you working? Why aren't you working for yourself? Or are you just saying you hate Mondays because other people say they hate Mondays? You know, like it's so, uh, and something it's that 100% like this, we just, we've become a complaining culture and it's just, yes. it's unbelievable. Well, why do you hate Mondays? Where It's because someone that was drinking for Sunday night football probably said it. And, yeah. um, and, um, but it's, you know, and that's nothing against it, but it's like if we choose things in life, like we're celebrating life, we should celebrate life holistically. And I agree with you, but go on, Jerry, because I want want you to finish your point. Sure, yeah. I, I just feel like uh, becoming an entrepreneur really put that all under the microscope. You know, do you hate your job? Do you hate the industry? Or do you hate your boss? Or do you hate yourself? Or, you know, like... why, why don't you want to be at work? Why, where would you rather be? What would you rather be doing? And why aren't you doing that? And why, you know, and like, it's so easy to be like, oh, well, you know, I wasn't born into money, so I couldn't, you know, uh, pay myself through college. So this is the best job I could get. And that's where I am, you know? And, and like I said, a lot of people, that's good enough for a lot of people, but I don't think those are the kind of people that listen to your show, you know, that like, I, I feel like, you know, being an entrepreneur has made me look at everything different. Like I, uh, that George Thorogood song, uh, one bourbon, one shot, one beer. That was on on the radio the other day, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this fucking dude is not paying his rent, he's drinking, he's not uh, trying to get a job, but he's telling people that he's trying to get a job, and he's complaining about it, and like, just fucking go work for a little while, pay your rent, and then you don't have to worry about the back rent, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, yeah, dude, I can't even enjoy fucking music anymore without thinking about it like that. Like thinking about problem. everything from a responsible uh, employer's point of view. And that sucks in a lot of ways because it's like, it's kind of like, you know, finding out Santa Claus isn't real. It's just like, shit, yeah. dude, like there's when you remove all of that, like, well, fuck going to work, you know, when you remove all of that and you put the ball in your court, it really changes the way you think about everything, you know? Well, and unfortunately that is the hack. That's the thing that makes distance on everyone. That's the thing that gets you paid more. That's the thing that gets you the hot girl or the hot guy or whatever you want that, that right. it's that's that's it's that general transition that starts to take place. 
that makes the transformation in the human and the trajectory different. And sometimes, like it looks like the person's going backwards. Maybe they're exiting a relationship. Maybe they're exiting businesses. Maybe they're doing something different. But often it's for the purpose that they've learned something that they need to go back and hit reset. And yes. in a way, you were quitting the hot dog stand and look like, oh, God, he's hitting the reset button. What's coming next yeah. to the outside world? And there's a lot of criticism. And what are you doing in another, you know, another food truck and whatever else? But the reality is, is you had enough experience and confidence in yourself to do it. So, Jerry, as we start to wrap this up, could you just um, could you let us know where they can find you online? And can you also tell us at um, right where you are right now? Um, like what is the happiest thing that you are the most joyful things in your day right now, where you are as an entrepreneur? Right. Um, yeah, I'll get the website and everything out of the way. You can find us at www.bandwagonsandwichco.com. Um, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Uh, the handle is bandwagon underscore sandwich underscore co. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, for me now, especially in the winter, everything's kind of slowed down and I'm finally starting to get a good look or, or, you know, be able to reflect a little bit on what a year it's been and what, uh, what we've really built. And it's crazy. Like when I look back at it, it's, it's surreal that, you know, a year ago, I would have never imagined that this company would be as successful as it's been this year. There are, you know, we did the thing when we sat down and we uh, listed out our goals and we said, you know, what are we going to, where do we want to be in three, five, ten years? Um, where do we see ourselves going? Um, you know, what what sort of changes are we going to go through? What What would be like ideal? And we've hit most of those goals this year in the first year, you know what I mean? And so our biggest setback now is like, now what, you know, like everything happens so fast for us that we're net, we're just now kind of taking a look and going, Oh my God, like, you know, we now have all these residencies and all these caterings and all this stuff. Like what's the next step? What do we, we were taking down five-year goals in the first year. We need to think way bigger. We need to think, you know, we need to zoom way out and, and look at the big picture. Uh, but just being able to be in that situation and like, like, uh, um, you know, we have this big snowstorm. It's still happening. Uh, but uh, we were able to cancel our event and they're like, no sweat. And it sucks. I, I hate canceling ever. But knowing that I can do something like that and like I'm literally going to spend the rest of the day today just playing video games with my kids because I can do that. And that's awesome. That's that's something that, you know, you, of course, you get days off when you have a boss, but you don't. But then you have that Monday. Then you have to go back to work for somebody else and you have to, um, you know, any moment you could be fired, any moment the plug could be pulled, you know, uh, and I can't, I mean, I could be T-boned, I could die, I could, 
um, you know, have a huge insurance claim and have no food truck, but it can't, they can't take it away from me. It's never going to go away, you know? And that's huge. That is like, that feeling is unparalleled to any job I've ever had. Like being able to have pride in my product and what I do and, and wholeheartedly not, you know, wondering if I'm going to get a bad review because somebody else fucked something up, like to, to have full control and, and get all of the credit and all of the blame and have everything in my, you know, control. That is huge to me. That is what makes it all worth it. And that's like the thing that keeps me going. I feel like now and keeps it like, um, keeps me motivated to, to keep it going. And so I love this, Jerry, and I appreciate like you coming back on the episode. And obviously, I think you're going to be a reoccurring guest. We keep talking lots, yeah. and I know there's going to be stuff going on. Um, I appreciate it, and I appreciate your time and, and the time you took to be on the podcast. And the audience, if you like what you hear, please share the episode. And and if you're Jerry's fans, you know, like the episode, comment on the episode so it helps him. Um, and gets him more views on this episode. That's just the way the algor algorithms work, guys. So the more comments, likes, shares, the better they do. And um, and I support Jerry, so I, everyone listening in is obviously trying to support him as well. So just uh, calling everyone out on that one. So share it. Don't just listen. Help help us out. Help out the podcast. Let's get the message out there and impact and influence. And thank you, guys. If you. Uh, Want to find us? We're on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. And you can DM us or text us on the phone number listed on Instagram if you want to be a guest on the podcast or you have any questions for the guest. Thanks. And we're out. <laughs>